0: Hey guys, it's Joe Wolverton, teacher of liberty, back with you today and going to be another banger. I'm telling you, there's just no end to the stories that just don't get told that have such profound um, potential to help us in that good old cause of restoring American liberty, right? We have got to awaken and arouse our faculties. Faculties, you know what that means, right? It's from the Latin meaning to make something easy, right? We've got to get these things into our head so that it will be easier to follow the example of our founding fathers. Because if we do, there is no doubt in my mind. And historical record proves that a very few people, young people, armed with knowledge, with wisdom, with valor and virtue, can free a country from despotism, from slavery. It's not even a question, guys. But we gotta have, we gotta put this stuff in the mind in our minds if if we're meant to participate in the you know struggle to restore our liberty or in the minds of our children i'm telling you you're going to i'm going to mention something today if you're 9 years old you know i mean just regardless of how old you know your child can understand a lot more than you think he can probably because i'm telling you there are children being sent to us now that are hardwired man and they know their job is to come down here and get things done where we didn't get them done so i'm grateful for y'all being here i really really am and i hope that this is something that you share and again guys i know that i've seen it too hit that subscribe button and the I do want you to subscribe, not for ego and not for monetization. (laughs) You understand this is millions of subscribers away from monetization. What I want is a return to civilization. I want our values restored. I want our virtue restored. I want the Constitution restored. And so, if you share this, you never know what person might actually, who you don't know to be, you know, uh, citing one way or the other, sees the podcast like, okay, I can get behind that, I can understand what he's saying. And not because of me. But the message. These messages haven't been taught in so long. And I'm telling you, man, you put this old wine in new bottles... And it just gives it a certain flavor that it didn't have before. Because the rest of us, we're not, I guarantee you've never heard this story. But if you have, you've probably heard it distilled through some professor summarizing a textbook which summarized a popular history which summarized, you know, ancient history. This is so many, you know, layers of misinterpretation and agenda. Frankly, I don't have an agenda other than the good old cause, man. Let's get let's make let's make our founding fathers proud of us. Let's not have their blood wasted on on us. Let's show them that we're grateful. Yeah. All right. So, I wanted to start out with a quotation today of all the ages of the world, they have not produced a single not produced a greater statesman and philosopher than Cicero. That was John Adams in his defense of the constitutions of government of the United States. He was talking about the constitutions of each state. The world has never produced a greater statesman and philosopher in one than Cicero, and it is. Today, we're talking about a couple of varsity squad ancient Romans. We're going to talk about Marcus Antonius, a.k.a. Mark Antony, and Marcus Tullius Cicero, a.k.a. Cicero. Cicero for those of you who had Latin teachers that were too clever by half. Um, let me, I want to remind you of something Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter to Henry Lee in 1825 about Cicero. He said that Cicero was one of his chief influences in writing the Declaration of Independence. Aristotle, Cicero, Sidney, and Locke. Okay, Uh, along with the sentiment of the day, he said, but Cicero, he named these books as elementary books of the right of the people. So, Cicero, heavy, I mean, God, if I have to even tell you, Cicero, man, you cannot get a book, now I'm not talking about popular book, like, Thomas Jefferson, what do they call it? American Sphinx, by the way, if you own that book, and it's ever cold outside, and you don't have heat, burn that book, it is so full of rubbish, I don't, I don't know, I mean, popular rubbish, so I guess that makes it a little bit better, you know, if you put some... Uh, what is it? What do they say in Spanish? Aunque el mono se vista de seda, mono se queda. Even though the monkey puts on silk, he's still a monkey. So I guess popular rubbish is still rubbish. But anyway, I digress. Remember, Thomas Jefferson, Cicero, is one of the influences that are found in the principles that he inc- that he included in the uh, Declaration of Independence. All right, so. You got Marcus Antonius, Mark Antony, Marcus... Oh, it's the Battle of the Marks. Marcus and Marcus Tullius Cicero, a.k.a. Cicero. Now, I want to share with you real quick how Roman names work. Have I already done this? Anyway, I'm going to do it again. So, if if I've already done it, maybe it's your time for a beverage. Maybe it's your time to take a little nap. But I'm going to share how Roman names work again because... Some of y'all are new. I'm PS grateful for that. We're getting ever closer to that thousand, and one of y'all lucky people going to be like getting this lovely library of liberty, a little one. Don't get crazy, but there's probably I don't know, I'm trying to think, maybe five books. I mean, but they're substantial books, man. We're talking a good little library for someone who is wanting to, you know, that's willing to learn, right? And that's the thing about the podcast, too. By the way, be humble enough to recognize that you might not have been taught something and you might have been taught wrong. I don't Don't think that I came down from heaven with all this stuff in my head. I had to come to that conclusion that, wow, I've been taught a lot of lies. Now, I should say a lot of errors because I'm sure most of my teachers they didn't they weren't like hmm how shall we fool them today <laughs> no they just were taught wrong too so I shouldn't say lies errors mistakes but I had to come to that so be humble enough that you don't just "Oh, this doesn't agree with me up oh, you know I wasn't taught this so it must be false just relax man relax and realize that you know there are things you might not have been taught and the things you might have been taught in relation to these subjects might have been erroneous okay just just chill with me just relax let's talk about some good stuff cuz some good principles and you're not going to have to get worked up about politics cuz i don't meddle in that nonsense okay i'm not i'm not equipped to meddle in that nonsense right and so just you know just relax and understand that We're just here to, I'm honestly just here, share a message that helps us increase our virtue, valor, and vigilance, y'all. The three V's, right? That's all. That's all. That's why the little bracelet, which by the way, you can just email me or message me, comment or whatever. Uh, The little bracelet, there is no liberty without virtue. I think they're like, I think they're, what are they, two, three dollars, three dollars. Yeah. So, you know. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to have it, and it's like a walking billboard because people say, "Oh, what's your bracelet say?" Because you know they're used to certain bracelets that are certain colors. They're white. They're like, "What does it say?" And They're like, "There is no liberty without virtue." What does that mean? So many times I've had people, like mostly cashiers at stores. You know, they'll be like, "What's your bracelet say?" And I'm like, "Oh, there is no liberty without virtue." What does that mean? Is that a church thing? And I'm like, "Well, no, not not a church thing." But anyway. Let's explain how Roman names work, shall we? So, Marcus, so let's just use Marcus, Tullius, Cicero as an example. Marcus is his first name. Mark, we would say, right? That's why Marcus Antonius is known as Mark Antony, okay? So, Marcus would be Cicero's first name, just like Joe is mine. Tullius is his last name just like you know his what we call his surname just like wolverton is mine right so mark mark tullius now and then cicero cicero it's like a um sort of official nickname if you see someone in you're reading the history of rome from the source por favor And you see a third name, like Cicero, like uh, Africanus, okay? If you see a third name, it's some sort of like official nickname, and it could have been given for lots of reasons. It could be given for an honor, like Publius Scipio Africanus was called Africanus because he conquered Africa. So you get a, you know, Publius Scipio gets, Africa. we talked about Hannibal, right? So Publius Scipio, he gets known after that as Publius Scipio Africanus in honor. It could be mockery, like um, people that were freed. I don't want to get into the story, but a criminal, if you were let off because of corruption, they would often stick the official nickname of like uh the lucky one like felix right or something like that felix is lucky he's right it technically means happy but in latin felix it does mean happy but it means lucky okay so they might stick that so it could be honor it could be mockery it could also be your appearance now i remember when i was in the when i was preparing to go I was a missionary in Mexico city as I was preparing to go down there when they were, you know, like telling us about the culture of Mexico. One of the things they said is they will just call you names based on your appearance. You know, whitey, tall boy, chubby boy, all of, you know, blondie, whatever. Yeah. Um, Zit boy, I mean, and they don't do it out of meanness. It's just part of their culture and it's people accept it, you know, and so sometimes it's appearance on that third name in Rome and Cicero, unfortunately, man, you remember, because you remember how Plato isn't his real name, right? It's Aristocles, which is a cool name, right? Right. But he gets called Plato, which means you know, buff, swol. It literally means broad, but it means you know, big dude, swol up. Which is cool. If you're gonna have a nickname, you want you know, like me, I'd be called the handsome one. Duh, no, I'd you know, to come on, I'd be called the most handsome, <laughs> whatever, Joey. Anywho. So Cicero, unfortunately, is one of those people that their official last name was about appearance, and not even his own appearance. So this is the deal. Your, nick, your official nickname can be handed down. Now, not if it was for honor. Typically, if it was for something honorable or mocking, it wouldn't get handed down. It sometimes would, but it most often people be like, you know, you don't deserve to be called lucky because your ancestor was a criminal who got off by corruption. Anywho, Cicero means chickpea, garbanzo being, you know, chickpea in Latin. And it's because Cicero's great-grandpa, I think it was his great-grandpa, they said his the end of his nose looked like a chickpea. And that's just unfortunate. So Cicero now for eternity, or maybe not, maybe when we, you know, get to heaven, assuming I get there, uh, he is now known as Chickpea, Plato, you know, can you imagine if him and Plato, if he and Plato ever like hang out, they're up there and, Aristocles, what'd it do, man? Nah, it's Plato. Nah, I'm not calling you that. It's, it's, we both know your name is Aristocles cool but um everybody calls me plato so anyway cicero what can i do for you it's it's marcus right do you want to go let's just go let's go to let's visit earth for a second assuming they can't who knows ghosts or whatever let's go see earth and do they're walking in ghost cicero and ghost plato and i like, go to the you know ancient rome sections and you know the ancient history section there's play check out my book Plato's Republic. That's cool, because it doesn't say Aristocles' Republic. Hey, you wrote a book called The Republic, too. That's cool. Oh, it doesn't say Marcus Tullius' Republic. It says Cicero. Huh, well, anywho, let's go have some lunch while we're... You see what I'm saying? Cicero, chickpea, man, come on. So, that brings me to another point. The Founding Fathers often did not call Cicero, Cicero. They called him Tully, which is the English version of Tullius. So it would be like, you know how Marcus Antonius gets called Mark Antony? Cicero would get called uh, Mark Tully. Now, they didn't call him Mark Tully. Of course, they didn't call Mark Antony I guess sometimes they did because Shakespeare, but anyway. If you're looking up in the writings of the Founding Fathers and you want to make sure you see all the references that they make to Cicero, you're going to need to look up Cicero and you're going to need to look up Tully, T-U-L-L-Y. That's the name they usually use. Even to the degree that to get into Harvard, you had to be able to recite passages from Cicero, to be accepted into Harvard, you had to go and they had a, you would sit in front of some judge, or judges, some professors, and they would give you uh, an extemporaneous quiz on uh, your Latin and Greek and history and stuff. And you had to recite. So, Harvard in its instructions, it says something like, you know, be able to recite such and such from Tully. Like, even in Harvard, it says Tully, it does not say Cicero. So that's interesting. So if you're ever like, I want to look up what the Founding Fathers said. You know, remember, most often they will call him Tully. They do call him Cicero, like the quotation I had from Adams and the one from Jefferson. They will say Cicero, but most often you'll see Tully. All right. On to today's story. So now the event, I'm, I'm t- I decided to tell you the story. I had another story picked out. I know, I say that every week. I had another story picked out. But it's one of these on this day in history. Now, the day that this stuff that I'm telling you today took place was September 2nd, which I realized it'll be Thursday, August 31st. So a couple of days, but maybe some of y'all watch it, you know, uh, by then. So anyway, I'm doing this because it's on this day in history, but I'm also doing this because I think this story, I think we need it. It's a coincidence that it's on this date um, but I think we need to hear this story. I think there's a lot we can learn. We have elections coming up and not just federal. Don't get, please, don't, do not fall into that trap, guys, that, you know, you just pay attention to who's president and senator and house. Don't get into that, man. Remember, we have Make America States again, right? dc that place never should have drained that place now what we need to do is focus on our states making them strong so that they assert their sovereignty and you got to elect guys to your i know i know some of you like oh i never really pay attention to state stuff you need to start because you need to elect guys that are going to say yeah i'm not not forcing unconstitutional acts of the federal government on the people of my state, okay? But we have elections coming up, and this story, I think, is important for that reason. All right. First things first. I'm the realist. No, I'm not. I might be. I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. So Cicero really did not like Mark Antony because Mark Antony was a tyrant. Now, Mark Antony hated Cicero for a couple of reasons. Uh, You know, Cicero called him out on his stuff, which, you know, no one likes being called out on their stuff, right? And also, Cicero condemned Mark Antony's stepdad uh, and had him executed for treason because he participated in the uh, conspiracy of Catiline. And Mark Antony grew up with his stepdad. A guy named Lentulus And I mean He did participate in the conspiracy You know And I'll do a video about the Catalinarian conspiracy Because That's a That is a kooky story That's a story if you can believe it That I actually agree more with Caesar Than with Cicero (sighs) When even saying that I get a little A little Nauseated Okay, a little bit, a little bit, like a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit, but it's true. So, Mark Antony from, you know, he had it in for Cicero, because Cicero ultimately, Cicero was consul, remember there's two consuls every year, Cicero was consul and Lentulus was, you know, part of that conspiracy, so he was condemned to death by Cicero, so Mark, and that's my dad, or it's really his stepdad, but he raised him, so you know what that's like. Anyway, that's, you know, um, and treason, by the way, and sedition, and insurrection, those are words that get bandied around way too much today. Man, I need to do a, a, I need to do an episode on that, treason, sedition, insurrection, because... Some some of, of y'all be doing my head in, man. With who committed, you know, an insurrection and treason and rebellion, and I'm like, do y'all even not y'all? I'm talking about these. You know, I'm talking about the people on that have other podcasts and the people that hate anybody of the other party. You know what I mean? And so that word treason that word insurrection, that all gets bandied about way too much today. But in the case of Catiline and his conspiracy, yeah, that was accurate. They, yep, straight up. Now, before he became a tyrant, on to the story. Mark Antony was infamous for being a man who lacked virtue or, or virtue and wisdom. He hung around with guys from a very early age that you'd be tempted to say were a bad influence on him. But in the case of Mark Antony, it's hard to know which way the bad influence flowed. Because he's one of those guys that, man, from early on, you're saying, that kid's, you know, it was like if he lived today, that kid's gonna end up dead or in jail. You know what I mean? He, yeah, anyway. Antony just to give i mean example antony cheated people in business deals he enjoyed the company of other men's wives he you know he had a few wives himself right antony and one time he was married to this lady and he didn't want to be married to her anymore so he's like he call he invites his wife's, Father, So his father invites him to the Senate and gets up in public in the Senate and proceeds to describe his wife's alleged infidelity in front of her dad and in front of all the senators and the tribunes and stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, basically someone should have been like, You know, stay classy, San Diego, because that dude was uh, uh, just not classy. Not classy. Um, Now, if your main source for information about Mark Antony is William Shakespeare, you should know that Shakespeare based his Roman and Greek historical plays on Plutarch's Parallel Lives. Okay? So, you know, if you want to get—if you want to see, for example— you're like oh I want to Anthony and Cleopatra and you go and you look at the biography of of Antony in in uh, Plutarch you can say oh I see Shakespeare you know he Shakespeare's it up which is good cuz you know Shakespeare's awesome uh also one of the people most frequently quoted by the founding fathers but Shakespeare got it from Plutarch right and okay and if you know your Mark Antony from Uh, Shakespeare, you're going to think, oh, Joey's about to tell us about Cleopatra, and I'm most certainly not going to mention Egypt. But I will, you know, Egypt figures very prominently in the Antony and Cleopatra, obviously, story. But if you think about it, guys, now this is weird, but think about this. Egypt figures prominently in the lives of a lot of very prominent people. I mean, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, Jesus lived in Egypt. Like, what is there about Egypt? I mean, it it comes up a lot, right? I, I know that there's some books you can't even read three verses without seeing the name Egypt come up and it's like what is there but anyway I digress but there's something about that Egypt but anywho I'm not going to talk about all about Cleopatra today for today Cleopatra is home in Egypt getting you know reclining on one of her fancy couches being being fanned by some man in a very short man skirt maybe being fed grapes. I don't know. What, figs? Got a cool little helmet on or cool little hat with the the cobra, which, you know, live by the cobra, die by the cobra. Anywho, we're not going to talk about her at all today, except the part I just did. So, so, Mark Antony was an officer in the Roman army, and he was stationed in the east, as they called it, and he actually responsible for putting Ptolemy Aurelius back on the throne as pharaoh. Now, Ptolemy, he was one of uh, Cleopatra's ancestors, well, her father. He was responsible for putting him back on the throne, which he wasn't allowed to do. He had no no authority to do that at all. But of course, authority, obeying orders, and the Constitution were not something that Mark Antony ever cared about. But of course, Julius Caesar, who was like his idol and his mentor and his man crush, I mean, for real though. Caesar, you know, killed like a million people in Gaul and Germany without any authority, in direct opposition to the Constitution of Rome. And, you know, he's called divine. So I guess maybe Mark Antony was trying to get called a god, which ultimately I guess he did. But, anywho, the only time you'll ever find Mark Antony, like, even pretending to be worried about the Constitution or the laws or virtue or anything like that, is when he's trying to get some unmerited advantage over someone, right? But we're all familiar with that, right? Politicians who put their hands on Bibles and swear to God that they're going to uphold the Constitution. (laughs) And then they get there to their new little pretty palace and they're in their oval-shaped office and they have a cool desk and they're like, hmm, sign this. Totally unconstitutional. So we're familiar. I mean, Mark Antony... He would probably pre- he could be present if he ran today. If he were alive today, people would be like that Mark Antony, smooth talking, veteran, good with the people, kind of an edge, you know. They, they would definitely he would definitely be a popular politician today. Okay. But um yeah, when it comes to Caesar and Antony, birds of a feather, if you know what I mean. Uh, When Antony gets back from Gaul, so that's modern-day France, right? When he gets back it's about 49 B.C., B.C., before Christ, A.D., after death, psych anno domini, the year of our Lord, right? B.C. goes after the year, A.D. goes in front of the year. Very good, boys and girls. So Caesar, when Antony got back from Gaul, Caesar used his immense uh, influence. He was... Caesar was extremely popular with the common folk you know he but he you know he uh, cultivated that popularity with the commoners right he he recognized hmm how many very rich people are there in Rome one two how many common people are there in Rome lots hmm if it came down to it who do I want fighting on my side that handful of guys or that whole multitude so caesar cultivated that and so caesar used his popularity even though caesar was in gaul caesar used his popularity to get mark antony um, elected to what we would call like the house of representatives he got it elected to be tribune of the people right basic very simple analogy would be like the house of representatives it's not exact Please don't comment. Be like, actually, Joe, the Tribune... Believe me, I know what the Tribunes are. I know how they were elected. I know all that stuff. I'm just saying, if you have to make a kind of analogy, Consuls are President. Senate is Senate. Tribunes, House of Representatives-ish, right? All right, so now here's the deal. When that same year... That Mark Ant- are y'all are y'all following this? Are you following it? Come on, stay with me now. In that same year that he got elected elected remember me telling you about how Aristotle and the messing around with election intrigue, falsifying elections. So Mark Antony got elected tribune. Now the tribunes could veto a bill from the Senate, right? That's the deal. Sorry, my eye is acting funny. So if I keep doing this, it's not because I have like a tick or something, it's because well, not like a tick like the bug, but like a TIC tick like I can't. My left eye is acting weird. So the same year that Caesar used his influence to get Mark Antony elected tribune, Mark, the Senate of Rome passed a bill resolving that if Julius Caesar did not disband his army before entering Rome then he would be declared an enemy of the state right which in that case mean anybody could kill him right now why is that so many of you know that you know Caesar crossed the Rubicon right people that don't even know the story can will say things like oh he crossed the Rubicon I read an article the other day let me just say this and it was like blah blah talking about Caesar crossing the Rubicon I'm like dude do you know that story because you're making it sound like that was a cool thing for, for liberty that was not a cool thing okay so Rome for centuries before Caesar and Cicero and Mark Antony Rome in their constitution had a law that no man was a soldier inside of Rome now let me explain rome did not have a st- at this time did not have a standing army they had a militia of citizen soldiers so when called into active duty to defend rome you you absolutely would become a soldier for that time but when that service was over before you crossed the ancient boundaries of rome you had like uh, let's say your your legion your your brigade your battalion whatever before when y'all got up to the border your commander was obliged to have y'all take off your armor your military uniform load those into a wagon all your, your shield, your helmet, your weapons, everything. Load those into a wagon and have them sent into Rome. And the soldiers entered Rome as citizens. Just wear, wearing the clothes of a citizen, not the uniform of a soldier. It was illegal and it was considered an attack on the liberty of Rome. Okay? So, the Senate... In that year that Mark Antony got elected Tribune, the Senate passed a bill because Caesar was up at the border, the ancient border, the Rubicon River. Now, if you looked on a map, you wouldn't call the Rubicon a river today. It, this, the creek here out behind my house is about the, the size of the Rubicon. It ain't a river. Unless you're in Arizona and y'all be like, I've never seen so much water in all my life. Let's get a raft. Anywho, so Caesar was there with his legion at the Rubicon and the Senate said, hey man, it's been a minute now, disband the army and come into Rome as citizens, not as soldiers. Well, Mark Antony vetoed that, making a lot of senators and regular people who supported the constitution and liberty and peace made a lot of those people mad so antony scurried out he fled rome and scurried off to his man crush caesar up on the rubicon now you you know the deal uh caesar did not disband his legion and he crossed the rubicon right Alia S, the die is cast, let's do this. And that was essentially the declaration of war against his own country. Now, if you would have asked Caesar, Caesar, why are you doing this? You know, if you were like a report why do I I don't need to always do that voice. I should come up with a different one. Uh Caesar? What? No, I don't know. I have to come up with a better voice. But anyway, if you were there and you're like, "Hey, Caesar, this is Joe Wolverton from, you know, Teacher of Liberty," why why are you doing this? Why are you crossing the Rubicon? You know, all soldiered up. He would be, you know, why are you coming in heavy, as they say, right? He would be like, "Well, the Senate, they're just, you know, they're they're full of people who don't, they're not." There are a bunch of rich men who do not, rich men north of Rome, who do not have the best interests of the Roman people in mind. So I'm going to go down there, and sometimes you have to take extraordinary measures to deal with extraordinary threats to liberty. So I'm going to go in. Now I know, I know it's against the Constitution, but I'm going to tell you what, there won't be a Constitution if I don't go down there and deal with them senators. That's what Caesar would have told you. And the people were like, yeah, we need Caesar to come in and get rid of these politicians. Now, that's what he was saying. Now, in reality, Caesar's like, I'm fixing to make myself the sole ruler of Rome. Because who's going to oppose me when I've got an army? And these guys were loyal. To Caesar, these soldiers, because as he was up there murdering and enslaving about a, th- a million people, all unconstitutionally. When they would take a town or kill some people, Caesar wouldn't take any of it for himself. I mean, very little. He would let us just take what you could find, boys. It's all your, you know, it's all yours. Take. All. So they were loyal to my man, and he made sure they got paid. You know. They they were loyal to my man, and so he's like, yeah. He knew that if he got down there in Rome, first of all, he's got an army behind him, an army, an experienced army of veterans who. A bunch of senators ain't gonna be much of an obstacle if you know what I mean. So. There, now there are those, and this is what I'm getting at. There are you know, ancient historians, modern modern historians who say that. Well, the reason Caesar essentially declared civil war against Rome is so that he could create an emergency as an excuse to violate the constitution as to sort of put the constitution, you know, on pause that that was his ultimate purpose and that he just wanted to get down there and violate the constitution seven ways to Sunday and that part of that plan was to get Antony elected tribune, so that, because Caesar, according to the theory of many, Caesar was like, yeah, I can do this, but I have to have a tribune, because he knew the Senate were going to be like, no, no, not no, but no, but he knew the tribunes could veto, it, so it was all part of his master plan, and anyway, do you ever notice, by the way, that this whole thing of creating an emergency so that you can... Rob people of their liberty is a very common tactic among tyrants, ancient and modern. I mean, it's one of the most common that, hey, there's an emergency, so I gotta strip you of your rights, right? All all tyrants, whether it's the emergency is these politicians don't have your your best interests at heart or, the flu's really bad this year, whatever. They, they find an emergency and if there's not a real one, they'll create one for the purpose. And it always requires, for some reason, the Constitution, whether it be the Constitution of Athens with Pisistratus, Constitution of Rome with Caesar, Constitution of the United States with everybody for the last 160 years, that we gotta put the Constitution on pause for this emergency, right? Always. Anyway, I gotta make this story shorter. I know. I say that every week. But I get into this stuff, y'all. I know that some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, this boy with his stories. But there's a point to the stories. And I like telling stories, and I think that telling stories is a good way to get principles across. I really do. And so I tell the stories. But then I do things like this. I vamp in the middle of the stories. Why do I do that? I don't even know. Okay, so Caesar marches on Rome with his army. And most of those brave senators who declared him an enemy to Rome scurried out of Rome. They fled Rome in bravery. Brave, brave Sir Robin, he bravely ran away. Brave, brave Sir Robin. When danger reared its ugly head, Sir Robin turned his tail and fled. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin. <sighs> Extra points. for and You all know what that reference is from. Anywho, that's what happened to the brave senators of Rome. Caesar comes in heavy with his legion, and they're like, pew, like Caesar, like dust just everywhere. So th- any one of them that voted like, hey, enemy to the state, they all buggered out because they're like, Caesar is going to, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's not here to be like, I appreciate your principled stance. I appreciate your defense of the Constitution. Now, do you mind kneeling over there with your head on that block? I want to get a picture. You know, you know what you I'm talking about. Why is my tyrant always that same guy? I don't know. I don't know. Anywho. So Caesar heads off to Spain. To chase down Pompey the Great. So there's a guy. He got a third name, Magnus. I mean, seriously? Mag The Great. Like Alexander, right? Magnus. I mean, that'd be cool. Right? That'd be cool to have your official nickname be The Great. But anywho. So Pompey has loyal soldiers in Spain. And so Caesar's like, yeah, I'm going to go kill those people loyal to... To Pompey, and Pompey had scattered, right? So um, he leaves, Caesar leaves. When he comes into Rome, by the way, he just takes control. He's the man. As of that moment, he's the man. He goes to the treasury, just empties that, handing it out to the soldiers, handing it out to common folk, handing a lot to himself. And he's just like, just raid the joint, right? just raided the place it's like if someone said hey go into the treasury and you just took a big old stack of hundreds or whatever you know what i'm saying caesar went in and you could de- right then displayed who he is because he could have gone in and been like okay let's sit here let, let me send a thing to the guys saying look yes i did this but i was genuinely afraid for the liberty of people because y'all had been which wouldn't have been true but at least would have seemed Logical. No, Caesar went in and just took over the joint, raided the treasury, the whole shebang. So when he uh, heads to Spain to deal with Pompey and his soldiers, he le- leaves Mark Antony in charge of all of Italy. So, you know, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Who do you, who do I want being in charge of Italy? Let's see, who, who is, you know, a virtuous guy that I can trust with power? Pa- Eventually, Caesar defeats all his senatorial rivals at the Battle of Pharsalus, and he heads off to war with the Parthians, once again leaving Antony in charge of Italy. And Antony did what Antony does, and he stole a bunch of money, and he stole a bunch of dudes' wives, but only now Antony could do this, and he wasn't afraid of anything. He wasn't afraid of getting caught or even being called out, because now he had Caesar on his side, and Caesar had an army. Now, in 44 BC, that fateful year, Caesar and Antony were elected consuls, and the Senate, now reformed after Pharsalus, the Senate Battle of Pharsalus, right, the Senate is reformed, and they're back in Rome and ready to do whatever Caesar says at this point. It's just whatever he says. So he, they make a bill declaring Julius Caesar a god. Divus Julius, the divine Julius. And they named Mark Antony as his... Special High Priest of the Divine Julius. I mean, these two. You talk about bromance. I, what is that? I can't quit you, Caesar. I can't quit you either, Mark Antony. I mean, ugh. So, well, one thing that's funny is like Caesar had also had. The Senate declare him dictator for life. Now, Mark Antony, and it's all planned, y'all, but Romans at the time would have been like Americans today, like, oh, my gosh, they had a big party, right? It, today, the it's the the equivalent of uh, Valentine's Day, and it's where we get a lot of our, you know, the little Cupid and the thing and the giving hearts, giving, you know, cards to people. We get that from this celebration. Anyway, Mark Antony used it, and he offered a crown to Caesar. He, he, like, kneels, and he's like, you know, your highness. And Caesar's like, no, I'm not a king. The Constitution of Rome forbids kings. I'm not a king. And he did this, like, three times. And was like, oh, my gosh. Look at him. He's one of us. He, he doesn't want power. He... These guys are talking, the people that are talking bad about him, they just don't understand him. And they're probably involved in something, you know, that they know he would expose. Because look, I mean, if he was what they say, if he was like a tyrant, he would have accepted it. Except Caesar knew how to manipulate people. No, I shan't be king. Kings are unconstitutional. Right? Yeah, but he's like, then he had the Senate. He wrote a thing declaring himself dictator for life and had the Senate pass it. And then the consul signed it and the tribune signed it. And it's a law. Caesar's dictator for life, which is a king. But he's like, it doesn't say you can't be dictator for life. So from that moment on, Caesar was king. Now, I want to read to you a little bit from Plutarch. Plutarch. About, so Plutarch has a biography of uh, Antony, a biography of Cicero. Uh, if you want to read a really good story of this time period, Suetonius, Suetonius, like Sue, like the name, Suetonius, like Tony. Sue Tony. Can you imagine if that was his name? like Sue? Hey, Sue Tony. Anyway, Suetonius, 12 Caesars, because yes, there were 12 Caesars. He writes biography, and it's really good. You can read a story anywho neither here nor there but Suetonius is one of the ancient sources. I want to read you a little bit about that fateful day. So Caesar has himself declared dictator for life. The Senate is nothing but just it's just a pretend, it's just a, it's just theater. They're there, they go to work, they make bills, but they just do what what the king says, what the dictator for life says, what whatever Caesar says, that's what they do. The tribunes the same way. They all were now just con- conspiring together to completely just destroy the Constitution of Rome, but make it look on the outside, make it look to the regular people like they were following the Constitution. If he were king, he would just do this and not care. But the Senate passed this bill. The tribunes passed this bill. You know, he just signed it. That's his job. He's just doing his job. You know, if he were really a dictator, a tyrant... He would just do this stuff and use his army to... He doesn't do that, but he did do that. But they couldn't see that because they're not there. They don't know the inner workings, and they're like, that's Caesar, man. He's nothing like what people say. So let me read you a little bit about Plutogger, But what happened on that fateful day. I mean, but I hope you can already see why Brutus, Cassius, and them are like, that guy, if we're ever going to be free, that guy needs to go. Right. I hope you can already see that because Caesar was horrible. And he, boy, when he put his foot in the size 10 tyrant, it fit perfectly heel to toe. You know what I'm saying? He was every bit a tyrant. He was despicable. He was degenerate. He was deceitful. He was a despot, and I can't think of any other de- dictator, D- deplorable... Damnable, dashing. No, that's what Mark Antony would have said. Anywho, let me read you. So that March 15th, we all know the Ides of March, right? The Ides of March are when they, the people that call themselves liberators, I call them liberators. Those people, remember those debates? For those of you that used to be my students, we'd have that debate. Are they liberators or are they, you know, murderers or whatever, assassins, whatever. We'd have that debate. I remember those were fun times. But anywho, so... I'm gonna read you a little bit about that. March fifteenth, they all decide that's the day we're gonna uh, get rid of Caesar. We're gonna kill him because they're like, there's no other way to get to it. There's you can't talk him out of it, right? You can't talk him. You're not gonna talk a tyrant out of being a tyrant. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna vote yourself into liberty. That's some of y'all still, man. Mm, if I could just, the only way you're not gonna vote for president, and this new president's gonna come in and. Restore the... Constant. No, they're not. Not either party, y'all. Please don't fall for that. He may be your favorite tyrant, and you may like him as your tyrant. You may like what he does, but 99% of what either major party candidate proposes and does as president is unconstitutional. Let's Come on. I know right now you're like, Blerp. he's not talking bad about Biden. Mm. He's not talking bad about Trump. Mm. But, I mean, let's just... Have, the Constitution, every issue, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, no respecter of persons. Sorry, y'all. But I'm going to call a tyrant a tyrant. And if he happens to be your favorite tyrant and you want to go in your little booth and pretend you're voting for it, knock yourself out. But you're not fixing to vote yourself. You're not voting. Tyrants don't get voted out of office That by the definition of tyranny. They're like, oh, I lost guess I have to hand over this power I seized unconstitutionally come on now which says what well they do leave office they do get right they leave office but does the tyranny continue right it's like remember what Colonel Sidney said it's like or even Montesquieu I think we talked did not we talk about Montesquieu Montesquieu Montesquieu. Didn't we talk about that? How he said, you know, the Romans were always ready to get rid of a tyrant, but they never got rid of the tyranny, right? They just swapped tyrants, swapped the names, right? But the tyranny continues. Anywho, March fifteenth, they were like, let's get rid of this dude, and Mark Antony was delayed outside the Senate. Now, supposedly that was part of the plan. Who knows? You know, it's not like conspirators leave a big trail you know like dear diary today you know that that doesn't happen right because then it wouldn't be conspirati conspirati means to whisper together like so so what we're gonna do is on march 15th right that's where the word conspire conspirati to breathe to to breathe together to get you know you're close enough to whisper you're breathing together hey right it's not like you know, big billboard. Hey, everybody be at the Senate on March 15th. It's going down. He's on like donkey. Co- no. Okay. So, but I hope you can already see why Brutus and Cassius and all them were like, this dude's got to go. Because if the whole time I've been talking about this stuff, if you've been cheering for Caesar, you probably cheered when old Yeller died. I don't even know who you are. You're, you're a monster if you're cheering for Caesar, but anyway, here we go. So this is right from um, Plutarch. It's Plutarch, y'all catch on, man. All right, so anywho, when on the 15th of March, the Ides of March, the famous, (coughs) the dictator Caesar fell dead in the hall of Pompey at the foot of his great rival's statue, the conspirators brandishing their bloody daggers and calling on the name of Cicero, passed out of the Senate, so left the Senate, Proceeded by a cap of Liberty fixed to the end of a spear. Now since ancient Greece, you'd put a red hat on a pole that was called a Liberty pole because that meant you were no longer a slave when you took that hat off because they were these red hats that slaves would wear. So to show you weren't a slave, you would take off your hat. You would put it on a poll. our founding fathers did that right They had Liberty polls. you'll see those. I have a whole article about it. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll put a link in the comment or what do you call it like the what do they call it information description, whatever. I'll put a link to my article there about Liberty caps, Liberty polls. They're really cool. Maybe we should you know bring those back. Um, but anyway, so they walked out. So the the conspirators are like, They're walking out with their bloody dagger saying, We did it! The tyrant is dead! You're free! Romans, check it out! The tyrant's dead! And the Romans are like, Um, we didn't want him dead. He gives us free stuff. We get stimulus checks. We get food drachmas. We get rent subsidies. We get us, We get lots of stuff from that dude you just killed. Yes, but we did it to make you free. Yeah, don't, not, I mean, that's just something we say, man. Did you take us seriously? You, but on July 4th, you did fireworks, and you proclaimed how wonderful it was to be land of the free, home of the free, and land of the free, and home of the brave, and all of the, Uh, Man, that's just an excuse to have a barbecue, dude. We weren't serious about the Constitution. Come on. But it's back and you're free to have free elections and not to be taxed. Yeah, it's not, we we weren't interested in that at all. (sighs) So, if you have ears to hear. So, in the meantime, so they proclaimed all that they had slain the king and the tyrant. Meaning... In the meantime, Antony, Caesar's colleague in the consulship, uh, said that by conclusion they had prevented him from being present in the Senate, and he escaped to his house in the Carinae in the disguise of a slave. So, Mark Antony's outside, people are like streaming out, you know, these dudes killed Caesar, he falls dead at the base of a statue of Pompey, remember he'd been in Spain fighting Pompey, anywho. A long story, terrible story, but anyway, doesn't matter. Pompey ended up with the head being gone, but anyway, not by Caesar, by the Egyptians, but anyway. Um, that should be a drinking game. Every time Joey says anyway, anywho, any one of those things, you should have a drink of a non-alcoholic beverage, whatever beverage. Mm. Okay, so... They ran out, yay, we're free, yay, yay, everybody, we killed him. And he's like, no. So he escapes to his house in the country, disguised as a slave, because he's like, oh my goodness, these guys are openly brandishing their bloody daggers and they're proclaiming themselves the killers of a tyrant. And the people, and he didn't know the people were going to be like, no, we don't want that. We want the old stuff. We want to pretend we want the Constitution. We want to talk about, No taxes. We want to talk about freedom. We want to have fireworks and barbecues. We don't want to be actually free. We like our comfortable slavery. Freedom is dangerous. No likey. Right? But Mark Antony didn't know that at the time. He just saw just like, right, he's like, I'm out, dresses like a slave, bugs out to his house. Now, if you you know, get your source from Caesar or from William Shakespeare. You know that Antony shows up at Caesar's funeral. I come not to praise Caesar, but to bury him, liar. What he did go there for was to fire the people up, make Brut pretend to be complimenting Brutus, while in the what he was actually doing is firing people up into a frenzy so that they would want to kill Brutus Cassius and them. Right, the liberators. So he comes, and you, you know, you know the speech, right? He's like, uh, Brutus is an honorable man, and blah blah blah. But the whole time, he's basically saying, that guy murdered someone who really loved you, who really looked out for you, and you, you shouldn't treat them well. So now Antony, taking advantage of all this confusion and rioting, and people, were the liberators good? Was all of this? He takes advantage to consolidate power, right? He takes it. He even does. Okay. I'm going to have to. Okay. Just, yeah. He takes advantage to consolidate his power. He even does this thing where he's like, goes to goes to Caesar's house. And he's like, all by himself, mind you. But he comes to the Senate and the tribunes, He's like, you will never believe what I found at Caesar's house. And they're like, What'd you find? He's like, I found these notebooks where Caesar had written a bunch of laws. So we need to go ahead and do that. Because Caesar, obviously he wrote them and he wrote these notes and these laws and we all love Caesar. He is divine after all and I'm his special high priest. So we need to go ahead and do what he wrote in his notebooks. Let's see him. Yeah, he also, you know what he wrote? On page one, he writes, don't let anybody but Mark Antony read these. So, I really, out of respect for Caesar, you know, I don't want to offend the divine Caesar. I am his high priest. I don't want to do that, so I'm going to go ahead and not show you the notebooks, but you can trust me. I'll tell you what's in them, so we can pass them as laws, right? I'll show you that. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. uh the craziest thing that you ever have heard. so believe it or not he I mean that story, just the fact that you know here he is, he's like, all of these things, all of these things added up, all of these unconstitutional acts, I mean, all the way back to Caesar doing what he did in Gaul to you know having. Mark Antony elected Tribune to crossing the Rubicon all of these things were so unconstitutional and so planned by a lot of people who profited from the tyranny I hope we can learn that and you know Caesar's notebooks are essentially like other people's laptops. You know, it's like, what's in them? And Mark Antony's like, well, I, I've read them, and you know, it, it's supposed to only be for me, but I'll tell you what's in them. And he's like, and you know, the people are, like, the Senate is still scared. know what? Caesar's dead. Now he is divine, but who? You know what I'm saying? The real problem wasn't that. The real problem was. Now Mark Antony, who fought with Caesar at Pharsalus, who was with Caesar at the Rubicon, those soldiers are now loyal to Mark, well, most of them, loyal to Mark Antony. And Mark Antony learned from Caesar. Fire the people up. Make them think you're their friend. Who cares that you can't stand them? Who cares, right, that you go on vacation, that you have gold-plated, you know, Portraits of yourself holding a white tiger. or whatever. Who cares? Make the people think that you're one of them. Well, Mark Antony learned that. And the Senate just honestly says, okay, well, and they don't even debate them. Guys, Mark Antony just says, here's the thing Caesar said in his notebooks. We, they need to be laws. And they just became laws. Period and he even did some things he's like okay i'm gonna have to throw in some that look good so i remember one of the laws was there the office of dictator is hereby repealed from the constitution because it's just too dangerous it gives one man too much power and we need to be careful of that and the people were like man mark Antony, this dude comes on and he's He's getting stuff done. He's RGCing up in here. But not really RGC because that's a dictator and there's no more dictator. I mean, right? So it appears he's doing a great thing. But look at all the unconstitutional things he's doing to get to a place. Guys, it's wrong. But it's current. pandering man demagoguery make the people think you're their friend pisistratus right everybody thought he's er, remember so long was like this dude aristotle this dude makes people think he's their friend he's amazing at that well antony had never been that until he learned from his man crush how to do it but i mean hey but the people didn't care they yeah man we're like hey no more dictator we getting our tax tax uh, you know we're getting our welfare back we're getting free land if you ever served in the army we're getting um, a big old bag of grain every thirty days right we're having parades and parties twice a month where they throw money literally out into the street. This guy, he's doing a he he's supporting the Constitution and supporting the common people. We back market, you know, and all of it was a lie. Now you may say, well, the senators didn't do it. B-b-b- rubbish. They did because they didn't do anything about it. A man is guilty of the good he could have done and did not do. They could have they could have stood up to him. But they didn't out of fear and then out of profit. He's like, hey, you ride with Mark Antony, you know what I'm saying? Mark Antony knows how to, right? He knows how to share, right? Anyway, so he takes this, he names himself, so he becomes a sole ruler, essentially, of Rome. And now a problem that he had was... um Well, I guess I have to get to that later because I'm trying to wrap this up. I know y'all are looking at the thing. You're like, yeah, you said you was going to wrap it up about half an hour ago, sport. I'm trying, man. This stuff is important. And I get fired up about it. And I like these stories because A, they're not told, and B, guys, if you don't see how this stuff is happening, then I really think you ought to just not watch the podcast. I mean, that's not true. Watch the podcast because some of it might sink in, right? But seriously, guys, the point of these stories is not so you can have a cool story to tell at your next cocktail party. I mean, that'll make you cool with the ladies. You can be like, hey, you guys, uh, those notebooks of Caesars, am I right? You know what I mean? It'll make you look cool. I'm not going to lie. But the point is to see how these things, right? History is the best medicine for a sick mind. We can see what happened to them and see how it's happening to us and say, okay, we want to stop this, right? Watch this over and over again if you have missed the message. I hope you haven't. If you have, I'm not doing a good job because there's just a a path to totalitarianism, you know, to all power in one. guy. There's just the a path. And all along the path, no one was calling, I mean... Yes, there were a few people calling it out, but no one the people didn't th- they made they made it their mission to violate the constitution while appearing to be constitutional. They made it their mission to be wicked while appearing to be righteous. They made it their mission to get the people on their side while robbing people of their liberty. Right? They made it their mission to replace liberty with luxury. Virtue with vice. Right? Statesmen with tyrants. They made it their mission. The Constitution with the will of whatever party happened to be in charge. But all behind this cool facade of constitutional. I care for the people. We're doing things good to reign in the government. Come on, man. Come on. Vote for your favorite Vote Voting Seriously You're gonna vote A tyrant It ain't the tyrant man It's the tyranny Tyrants are gonna tyrant It's us Right Do we tolerate tyranny There's only one answer To that question today And it's yes There's only one answer In 44 BC And that's yes Now we You know It reminds me of that Patrick Henry speech Right You know Caesar had his Brutus, you know, and made George III learn from their example, that kind of thing, right? But there's no arguing that we, anyway. So, none of the senators, they just all just meekly sidestepped their responsibility to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of Rome. All of them. And uh, he, but like I say, Antony had such he appeared to have popular support, and he had, you know, Caesar's army, or at least a good portion of it, people that fought at Pharsalus, people that were at the Rubicon, all over the place. Now, the senators, while well, they just stood back and, you know, they would say, well, we didn't do it. Mark Antony did. Caesar did. Well, you didn't do anything about it, Slick, so you did do it. You conspired as much as Mark Antony and Caesar because you didn't try to do anything about it, except for those few guys that the people have now chased out of town. Y'all didn't do anything. Cue Cicero. So Cicero is in Athens. He comes back to Rome and delivers some seriously fire speeches to the Senate Chastising them for their feckless retreat from their role as defenders and guardians of the Constitution of Rome. You all took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, and all you are doing is allowing other people to violate it, to trash it. That is not what you swore an oath, because they all had to swear a divine oath as well. All right? They all had to swear a divine oath to uphold the laws of Rome, right? And Cicero, he comes back from Athens, he hears what's going on, he's like, I'm going I'm to get up in there and call some people out on their stuff. And these speeches are called Philippics. Now, they're called Philippics because it has nothing to do with Philip, but they're named after Demosthenes' speeches against Philip II of Macedon, Alexander the Great's dad, who was also a tyrant. So, Cicero had that habit, right? He would just name his stuff after famous Greek things, because Cicero loved studying the history of Greece, and so, like, he named his book Republic because of Plato, on the laws because of Plato, and Philippics because of Demosthenes calling out a tyrant. Well, now, Cicero delivered Philippics. His speeches are 14 speeches. They're known as Philippics. He in a letter to one of his friends, was like, "Yeah, these are my Philippics, and they, yeah. So their speeches calling out these senators and Mark Antony for their violations of the constitution. So, shall we read a bit of them, um, boys and girls? I, I, I say that in kind of joke, not kind. Of, I am joking, you know. Shall we read them, boys and girls? Shall we?" but you realize that our founding fathers at 10 11 years old could quote to you from the philippics in latin i don't think a phd in ancient history could do that today i really don't most of them there i'm sure there are a few that are that are uh, exemplary that could do it but most of your professors of ancient history if you went up to them, and like, hey can you quote me some of cicero's Sec. Because the second's most Can you quote some of Cicero's Second Philippic in Latin? He'd be like, "Can you get an F in my class for being annoying?" And you'd be like, "Sorry, sir," but I want you to listen to Cicero eviscerating those senators and Mark Antony. Well, Mark Antony first, but those senators who stood by and allowed Caesar and Mark Antony. To destroy the Constitution. And strip the Romans of their liberty. Okay. So. Rather than read it to you from the. Actual copy that I have of them. I'm just going to read to you. I've. Cut and pasted some. Okay. So this is September 2nd. Right. 44 BC. Caesar is dead. Mark Antony. Has started. Presenting these fake laws that Caesar wrote in his notebooks and he's having and the Senate's just yep whatever whatever the divine Julius said we got no vote no debate just sign off on it and sometimes it was like oh that's so constitutional but always spinning it to the people like it was something redounding to their benefit when in reality it didn't matter whether it did or not it was violating the Constitution and stripping them of their rights of representation, of their rights, of their liberty. Okay. So this is from the first Philippic delivered on delivered on September 2nd. Okay. So here you go. Ready? You had to do something. Right? He's saying Caesar and Marquette did all this stuff. You had to do something. I feel sorrow that the roman people are beginning to think you men were afraid to live up to your position which itself would be shameful but because you all did so for different and individual reasons it would be different if the whole senate together said we're just going to do this so you know hoping to uh, to ride out this tyranny but you didn't you all had different reasons what you, one of you, you just don't care you're, you're on the take you've been promised you know, to be consul or whatever because they were going to continue making it look like the constitution and elections were real guys you need to know that when I read you that stuff from Aristotle that wasn't, that was, they did that in Rome that was long after Aristotle 300 years this stuff happened 2000 and what 60 something years ago this stuff was cicero and mark antony but 300 years before them was aristotle calling out look out for election intrigue look out for people who make themselves seem popular right so but these guys were determined we want the people to think their votes are counting we want the people to think that we support the constitution and we're helping them and even in those times when we seem to maybe be violating the constitution we're only doing it to help them and so caesar's like or cicero is like y'all don't even like get together and say we're just going to do this because and have a good reason you just do it for your individual reasons and the people are starting to figure that out and fearlessly did cicero stand out there calling out The co-conspirators not those who killed Caesar but those who through their silence conspired with Mark Antony to kill the Constitution of Rome. You should be men who thought not about what you could do for the Republic but what you personally ought to do. So you should be men that not just think about what's good for the Republic what does the Constitution say but how am I, as a man, how do I want to be seen? What, what ought I to do? Should I take bribes? Should I be promised a position on the board of a pharmaceutical company when I retire? Should I buy stock in a company and become uber wealthy off it? Should I take money that's for hurricane relief and use it to build a library in my town named after me? And here Cicero's like, put to one side what you should have done for the Republic. What about what you should have done as as an honest man, right? Virtue, virtu, manliness. Fine, you, you, you want it to be unconstitutional, but who are you as a man doing these things, right? He then goes on to recount why he returned to Rome uh, so early from his you know vacation to Greece. He's like, I was fixed with such eagerness to return that no oar nor winds were swift enough to keep me from arriving in time to assure that Rome might suffer no greater harm from my delay. He's like, I was so intent that there wasn't a boat fast enough to get me back here to try and salvage what was left of Roman liberty and of the Republic. So on his way back to Rome, Cicero runs into Brutus, the Brutus that was one of the ones that assassinated Caesar. And Brutus explained, he's like, we've been chased out of Rome. And... That the people have Gotten behind Mark Antony And are Swearing to avenge Those of us who killed Caesar Because when Cicero saw Brutus He's like sweet Brutus Brutonius What up And Brutus is like Oh I'm not Brutus Dude it's me Tully Oh, I thought you were chickpea. Dude, come on now, man. Come on. You too. Etu. Et Brute. I'm not Brutus. I'm Moodus. Dude, what's wrong? Why are you dressed like that? This is how I dress. No, I red's not your color. And we, we've talked about that before. You're you're definitely a spring. I don't know. So right now there's people going, spring should wear red, dummy. Anywho. It was Brutus and Brutus is like, look, man, I don't know if you should be headed back because Mark Antony is now kind of the great value Caesar. And the people are digging on it hard, hard. The people are liking it. And now that's why I'm here, because I had to escape. Well, Cicero is like, you know what? I'm I'm going back because I got to do something. To save the Republic, to save liberty, to save the Constitution. So if it cost me my life, oh, well, what great, you know, what better way to die, man, than to die in defense of liberty, right? So Cicero gets back there and he delivers what's called his first Philippic, September 2nd. And now listen to this man, listen to this phrase, for pity's sake, what? Is this voluntary slavery? Guys, I would love in my lifetime to see a senator and do it sincerely to stand up and say, why all this voluntary slavery? Why are you people electing tyrants? Why are you people falling for this? For pity's sake, why this voluntary slavery? He could not believe that there weren't any senators or any people willing to do anything, is his quote. You were unwilling to do anything in defense of liberty and no none of the people none of the senators, nobody everybody you know you'd have people who would silently you know very secretly maybe at home say something but most people seemed to be okay they were divided into parties the pro-antony the pro this the pro that but they didn't really call out the tyranny they would call out that that's he's the worst consul ever if this guy were consul, we'd all be free. And I just would. But none of them ever said, let's restore the Constitution. Let's not vote for either one of these yahoos because neither one of them is going to restore the Constitution. Both of them are liars, blasphemers, and tyrants. One's a little less tyrannical, one's a little more tyrannical. One's a little less liked, one's a little more liked, one's a little more senile, one's a little, whatever. But Cicero's like, y'all didn't do anything and the people didn't. No. They aimed their invective at the tyrant and not at the tyranny. Because God, why? There is no liberty without what? Virtue. Well, they were getting away with doing whatever they wanted to. And if someone came in and said, hey, we got tighten up the old, you know, we got to turn the virtue up to 11, they'd be like, no, we like it at a two, right, because you just make a tacit, a silent agreement with everybody else, look, I'm not going to turn you in for your stuff, you don't turn me in for my stuff, everybody happy, and Cicero's like, I'm not happy, I'm not happy with what I see, and voluntary slavery, who ever heard of such nonsense? Do you realize you pay taxes on your income? You pay taxes on the things you buy with your income. You pay taxes on the investments, the profit you make on investments with your income that's already been taxed. And your employer was taxed on that same money. And then you're taxed on what you buy You're taxed if you leave that stuff to somebody else. I mean, whoever heard of, not only, I mean, it's like I told you, right, from Madison Federalist 46, Americans will never be crazy, right? What degree of madness. Americans will never be crazy to not only allow tyranny, but to pay for it. And not only pay for it once, but pay for it lots of times. voluntary slavery you see so then with a flourish right for pity's sake why this voluntary slavery and you did nothing to stop this and he calls out antony for his personal crimes now i'm not going to read the whole thing to you but he calls out the senators he calls out antony for what antony himself was doing that was wrong against the Constitution of Rome and the liberty of the people and the virtue, the virtu that a man in office should have. A man serving as a representative of the people in a republic should be virtuous above all other men. Not someone like Mark Antony. Now, Notably, Antony didn't show up for these speeches. should know. Blind to glory's true path, you think it—now he's talking to Antony. Even though Antony's not sitting there, he knows this is getting written down and it'll be sent to Antony. Blind to glory's true path, you think it glorious to possess by yourself more power than all others and to be feared by the citizens of Rome because of that power that you possess You possess more power in yourself, said Cicero to Anthony, than the Constitution gives to all officers of the government combined. And you have an army, and you openly go around with an armed guard, lest anyone should approach you. You as a representative of the people, you as an officeholder, In the Republic of Rome should be a man of the highest virtue not the worst wickedness to be a citizen dear to all now this is what it truly means to be a statesman said Cicero to be a citizen dear to all to deserve well of the state to be praised and loved by the people is glorious But to be feared and be an object of hatred is invidious, detestable, and proof of weakness and moral decay. Man. Let's make Senator Cicero again. Antony... Cicero knew Antony was not going to let this slide, and he feared that Antony or any of Antony's advocates were going to make it where he could never speak again. So he was going to get in his he was going to get his licks in while he could. Should my life be lengthened, Cicero said at the close of his speech, anticipating Antony's revenge for his words. Should my life be lengthened, it will be lengthened not for myself. But for my fellow citizens and for the Republic. In other words, if I live longer, it isn't so I can write another book or spend more time on holiday or golf a little more, or you know whatever. If I live a little longer, it'll be because I'm working to free the fellows my fellow citizens and to restore the Constitution of Rome. It would be more than a month before Cicero would deliver his second Philippic, and in that follow-up speech, he pointed out how the fraud, deceit, and force of Antony and most of the people elected to protect the Constitution, how they conspired, and there on the floor of the Senate, just as the bloody body of Caesar had lain dead There, Cicero said, was the Constitution of Rome, lying there dead. Only this time, the conspirators were the senators and the men who were supposed to be serving the people of Rome. They destroyed the Constitution. The government of Rome killed the Constitution of Rome as surely as Brutus and them had killed Caesar. And he called him out on it. Cicero revealed in his speech, though, that he was certain that members of the government would end up killing him, too. He knew that several of these would-be murderers were seated in the Senate and that they were squirming, but they were scheming at the same time how to get rid of Cicero and shut him up. So finally, Cicero ended up delivering 14 of these. When Mark Antony becomes a triumvir, triumvir, three men, triumvir, three men with Octavian. And, and uh, he, um, they exchange lists of people they want to kill. That's kind of their contract they made with each other. Octavian, who becomes Augustus, is like, you killed these guys for me. And Antony's like, "And you kill these guys for me, And that's how we have it on each other and that way we have this bond of of wickedness, our secret combination. Well, you can guess who was at the top of Mark Antony's list, Cicero. And they cut out, cut off his head, chopped off his hands because that's what C- Antony's like, He wrote all those speeches against me, cut his hands off, and they put them on sticks and put those sticks right in front of the door of the Senate so that senators who were walking in would be reminded what happens if you write stuff bad about the dictator. I mean, today you just get imprisoned forever right you reveal that some guy is tyrannically using the armed forces in an unconstitutional way you get put in prison forever and called a, a traitor and so Mark Antony killed Cicero had him killed but wanted his hands cut off and put on sticks so those senators would be like that's what happens if you badmouth one of these one of these tyrants Cicero said history is the light of truth so I'll end that this way today Cicero said history is the light of truth so it is I hope that we you know that we can hope and pray and work so that the light of truth So history, the light of truth, and to be real frank with y'all, the light of the world. He who is the light of the world, who was slain by the government of Rome for calling them out on their wickedness and others, but who was slain nonetheless. So I... Let's get together and let's hope and let's pray and let's work so that that light of truth of history and the light of the world so that they might illuminate our minds and encourage our hearts so that in our own time we can avoid following Rome down into permanent slavery and perpetual tyranny I'll tell you one very good thing you can do today. Go online, look up Cicero's Philippics, read them, ponder them, write some stuff in your commonplace book from them. That's a a very useful thing to do. And I think some of you will be surprised because by doing this for the very first time, some of y'all are gonna see what it sounds like when when a senator publicly calls out a tyrant instead of privately conspiring with one. Thanks, guys. God bless you.